What's Up Witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today, we are starting what should have been um, summer reading, but we're not doing that. Nope. it's gone miserably. Yeah. Yeah. So we thought we'd do something more fun, something that, you know, you can't take the book on the beach because we're not going to recommend books, but maybe you want to take these interviews with you. So this month, we're going to have interviews with two heavy hitters from the Lower Hudson Valley. And today, we are really excited because we spoke to Morgana from Modern Druid over in Nyack. And we cannot wait. If you don't know who she is, we can't wait for you to, to meet her and fall in love with her the way we did. Let's dive right into that interview. And today... We are so excited to be able to talk to Morgana from Modern Druid, which has a store in Nyack, New York, but they also have a great online presence. So if you don't know who they are, this is a time to find out about them and welcome Morgana. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be on the podcast with you guys today. This is uh, absolutely making my day and my weekend to spend some time talking with you, with you wonderful witches today. Thank you. Thank you. So... You wanted to talk about something very specific, but I'm really excited about it. Before we get to it, let's talk about you. Tell me about the shop. Tell me how, you know, tell me, first of all, tell people what they can expect if they go online um, for Modern Druid or if they come into the shop. And um, what was your idea for even having it in Nyack? Like, why Nyack? All all kinds of questions. uh, Yeah. (laughs) So so I'll start with, uh, with sort of going back to last fall. Um, where um, I, I, I ended up in this situation where I made uh, these wonderful intention oils based on a Celtic system of divination called Agam or Oam, as we would say in Ireland, but um, the anglicization of it is Agam, O-G-H-A-M. And I had been working with Agam, I mean, I've worked with Agam for years and years. You can't really be an Irish person and live in Ireland and not run into some of these standing stones that have Agam etched into them. Um, but over the years, you know, I've really sort of worked with it as a tool of divination and gotten to know it. It's really also known as the tree alphabet. So each symbol corresponds to a plant or a tree, and they just have uh, such sort of uh, deep level communications with um, with our past, with our ancestors, with plant medicine, on and on and on I could go. Long and the short of it is, I ended up doing a six month uh, intensive with a wonderful druid in Ireland called Laura O'Brien, Check out irishpaganschool.com if anybody's interested in learning more about that. Um, but uh, after the six-month intensive, these oils sort of demanded to come into form. We, we haven't seen, you know, Agam symbols interpreted into an essential oil before, uh, but I guess that was my calling, and so I, I made these 20 different oil blends. And then, of course, it's like, what do we do with them? So we had to, you know, create an online presence and a store to at least try and, you know, get them out there. But that also doesn't make a lot of sense, really, right? Because how can you smell a scent online? So we really needed a way to, um, to sort of present these oils. So, so that's sort of the genesis of it. And that was last September and uh, started looking around for a store. We originally sort of looked at Cold Spring and up into Beacon. But that's some distance from Nyack, which is uh, my, my locality, my community. And um, at some point in the spring, this wonderful store at 60 South Broadway, right by the post office, across some art cafe, uh, became available. And it really just seemed like this is the place. Like it, it certainly had, had a calling. And a friend of mine, Laura, had had a store there as, uh, several years ago now. Subsequently, she'd moved up to Beacon. Uh, but she had a wonderful store called Sanctuary there. And I just felt like, wow, what an opportunity to build on such great bones, right? Oh, such you know, great history and good juju. She's very spiritual and an amazing woman. And so we very quickly uh, met with the landlady. And, um, you know, six weeks later, 
we were opening modern Druid um, um, on Beltsna. So, so that's really the, the, uh, the trajectory that we took for that. But the concept then for the store quickly morphed into, you know, are we just sort of selling things or, you know, what do we want to do here? What is it that we're actually trying to, to bring into form? And ultimately, what, what I wanted to create was a space for people, a pause for people to be able to come in and experience spirituality in a different way, really meet people where they are at, as opposed to, you know, sort of creating either, you know, just a witch store. I don't mean just a witch store. There's so much in any witch store, right? But, but I didn't want it just to sort of be this one thing. And so we ultimately created an art gallery space. We have um, wonderful, uh, what we call neckwear and wearable art that our uh, dear friend and partner, Laura Shrewsbury of Weapon of Choice New Orleans makes for us. And we have, of course, the oils bar for all of our 20 oils. And we sell various, uh, you know, iterations of um, tarot cards and oracle decks and art associated with that. And I have a particular fondness and love of skulls and skeletons. So there's all kinds of bony things uh, that you'll find, you know, in the store too. And of course, my spirit animals being raven, crow and owl, they are um, obviously uh, all over the, the, the store when you come and you find them picking out from, from various shelves and on walls and, uh, and little raven heads and altar pieces and things like that. So what we have found is it really sort of morphed into this energy center that seems to call a lot of uh, different and diverse people to us. We do sound therapy there. We have Reiki healing there. And now we've started classes and courses and events because why not? We make the rules. Nobody sets the rules for us. We make the rules here. So we've added in all kinds of amazing events. Um, for example, on Monday is uh, Magic Microgreens with Melissa Markley, who is our resident artist and gallery curator, who also happens to run Rebel Greens, which is a micro farm in Westchester. So she's going to be combining um, my uh, sort of, uh, you know, druidic beliefs around um, farming and planting and how you just sort of infuse your own uh, plants with your own magic. She's going to be sort of bringing that to bear on microgreens on Monday. Thursday, we have meditation and um, guided visualization with a wonderful guy called Sean Anavati. Uh, we have uh, a great men's series, a 12 uh, course men's series coming in that's going to address mixed martial arts, plant medicine, Chinese herbal medicine, really and nature and just how to sort of, you know, uh, allow men to sort of feel more a part of their spiritual journey and get more in touch with their emotional sides and on and on and on it goes. So, you know, at any given time, we've got, you know, three things going on during the week uh, in the evenings because we're open during the day, uh, Tuesday through Sunday. And, um, and yeah, we just have managed to create this space that nobody can really sort of define what, what are we? Are we a store? Are we a, an art gallery? Are we an energy healing studio? Are we an event space? Well, we're all of those things. And so, um, and so we're just really having a blast with having people drop in and uh, often folks will walk into the store and sort of stop and look around and announce that they feel really good to be here. You know, they'll say the energy feels great or it smells so good in here. Or, Can I really just sit on the couch and have a snack? You know, we have a little, a little table where we put out snacks and beverages and things. We're like, sit, have a drink, you know, relax, take in the art, explore, play with the open um, Oracle decks and tarot decks and just, um, you know, really sort of feel your way through to a pause moment in your own day. You know, I was going to mention the fact that every time I go in, I feel like it's about spending time. You know, it's about really taking your time. Everybody that works there just wants to talk to you. Everybody tells you to sit down. If you have a question about a deck, you know, oh, here, here is a sample of the deck, like sit down and just play with it. And you don't ever feel rushed there. You know, it's not a place where you go where you're like, yeah, don't go there if you're in a rush because you're doing yourself a disservice, not even to mention the store a disservice because like you said, you do feel it the minute you walk in. It's more than a store. Um, 
and I can't stop buying stuff because <laughs> because there's so much of everything. You know, it's not just you're going in there like a lot of witch shops. Like, okay, I'm either picking up a book or I'm picking up this or I'm picking up that. But there, you really like you said, like I want some artwork or I want some clothing or I want you know. It's just you don't know. And I'm becoming obsessed with I don't even know what they're called. But I bought they're like two little. It's like two little frames, and you have art. The, I have little Victorian folding frames. Yeah, yes, oracle cards in them. Yes. So right now I got um, nightmares and dreams, but I have a feeling this is going to be a thing with me. I think I'm just going to be shopping in there, getting more until they're all over my bookshelf downstairs because I love them. I love to hear that. So the little folding frames, um, I had a folding uh, frame mirror when I was a teenager um, from the Victorian era. It was a little antique that my mom had picked up for me at some, at some point or another. And I came across these little folding frames. And I was like, oh my gosh, these are these little Victorian folding frames. What can I do with these things? And I had um, a, a purchased and acquired a number of um, decks that had gone out of print. And I got in touch with the artist and I said, do you mind if I use your cards to sort of reinterpret in various artworks? So I put them in my dioramas, those bell jar, you know, artworks that I do. And, uh, and in these folding frames, looking at the duality, which is what I really like. So I, I pulled out of the deck, so yours is nightmares and dreams, right? And just sort of putting them side by side was just so much fun to play with to just, you know, experience duality in that way in a little folding frame. And every now and again, I'll just close the frame, you know, or open the frame and sort of look at the images and you know, do a little meditation on that. But I don't, um, I don't always leave them open. I like to sort of fold it up too. And so I put those, um, those little wings, um, gilded wings on the back of, of the frames too, so that if you fold it up and tuck it in a drawer, when you're sort of, you know, are done looking at it, it can be, um, you know, its own special piece in there as well. So I did not know that nightmares and dreams went to you. I'm always um, so keen and curious to find out like where, where they find homes and you know, who gets attracted to these things and take some, take some home with them. So that's, that's awesome. <laughs> so happy about that one. That's my favorite actually, the nightmares and dreams. My oh, favorite. cool. Okay. Yeah. Very happy then. Um, so you studied in Ireland for six months then. You were so there. I was in Ireland. Was yeah, it was. Uh, it was actually uh, a remote uh, series oh, that I did with, okay. um, with Laura. Yeah, and it just uh, you know, my my fascination with autumn, um, yeah, you know, I say runs all the way back to you know to being a child and seeing these standing stones in arms. So I was raised in in Dublin, lived in a in a town on the ocean called Dunleary, but came to New York in 1992. So I've been here, you know, 30 is it 30 years already? Heaven help me. Yes, it is. I'm dating myself now. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's 30 years that, I, that I've been in New York. Um, go to Ireland frequently, obviously, with uh, with COVID. Um, that sort of, um, you know, has uh, compromised things a little bit. But I happened to be in Ireland just before COVID hit. I was there in February and uh, just for a week. And, and the oddest thing, just a, a little sidebar story, I had wandered into this wonderful little I'm going to call it a magic shop because there's this amazing artist there and he's painting and he's doing these, you know, wonderful artworks. And he was just totally tripping out on, on some designer drug or another that he, that he mentioned. And we had this great chat as you do in Ireland. You can't go anywhere without having a conversation about something. And I turned and, and looked and he had some of these sculptures. I can show you guys because we're, we're able to see each other, but, um, but it is this magnificent bronze um, skull head with basically this sort of Victorian death mask beak, you know, that they would have worn in the times to, um, to protect themselves. And I fell in love with this thing and said, I, you know, I have to have to have it. I'm, I'm going to take that back to New York with me, which tickled them no end. And his name was Dr. Dublin. That was an name by Dr. Dublin. So I got my little, you know, death mask head from Dr. Dublin and I carried it onto the plane. Like I carried this thing like under my arm, like not a bag, nothing. So I'm literally, you know, flying and arriving, you know, in New York, in the airport with this, you know, death head mask, you know, 
three weeks before COVID hit. And it's the irony of that to this day, you know, just sort of sticks with me that um, I sort of feel like I was, you know, I, I hope, you know, if anybody saw me and it's stuck in their mind, they don't you know, sort of think I saw the harbinger of death, you know, coming through, you know, the airport in New York with this death head skull. <laughs> anyway, just a, just a fun, a fun story and a fun aside. But yes, while I would have loved to have done six months in, in Dublin, um, uh, in, in Ireland with Laura, she's actually um, in the West of Ireland. Um, it, was a, it was a road series that we did. And she just, uh, she, she really is a preeminent authority on, on Agam and many other topics um, and also the Morrigan uh, today. She, she's a very uh, scholarly um, uh, uh, lecturer too. She really only draws from source material. She doesn't take flights of fancy and sort of make things up, you know, while, while the art of story is wonderful and it's great to sort of go in different directions with these things. If you really want to have a solid education in something like Ogham, which, which really is the first time that language was written down um, by the Celts in the fourth century. So some people view it as the Druids, you know, writing down um, their, um, their wisdom for the first time, you know, in a tangible form because it was an oral tradition. Education and knowledge was passed down in, in an oral way. And so this is the first time it was actually written. And now what we have left in Ireland are these wonderful standing stones that have these carvings. They're usually names of people. So we don't know if they're sort of demarking land or sort of identifying, um, you know, chieftains uh, in the area and things like that. But that's about, you know, all we have left of that. But, uh, but anyway, Laura is very scholarly and uh, draws on source material. Uh, but she also is a druid and, um, uh, and a priestess of the Morrigan. And as such, you know, does a lot of metaphysical work and spiritual work too. So part of her uh, uh, capacity to teach about Agam was to also bring journeys into it as well. So with each symbol that we worked with, you would take a journey and really meet the guardian or guardians of, uh, of each symbol. And that was one heck of a wonderful experience. You know, each person obviously has their own journey and their own experience with, with speaking with those guardians. Um, but, but what resulted for me was this, um, was this, you know, compelling. I mean, I was literally compelled, you know, to bring these oils into form uh, because they just felt, uh, they being the, this, the guardians of these wonderful symbols, just really wanted to come into form in a very tangible way that people could work with them for healing and could, um, you know, experience them, you know, as a scent, as opposed to what's often sort of little room sticks, um, you know, or just the simple sort of on pieces of, uh, of stone or wood. Uh, and people sort of cast them uh, for divination. So, so we did that. I really didn't know a whole lot about aromatherapy prior to, to doing this. So I'm like, oh, that's nice. You want me to, uh, to make oils, mm, 20 of them, yeah? All individual and all different. And how am I supposed to do this thing, you know? So thank goodness, you know, it's, it, there's online courses every which way. So before I knew it, I had a diploma in aromatherapy and then it was time to get to work. So, um, so yes, these oils came into form very quickly but but what i love is when people come into the studio and they see the oils bar so we have all these glass bell jars and inside the bell jars are these little glass dishes that hold a little bit of the scent so it's an old french uh, perfumery trick that you you know put a bell jar over it so when somebody lifts the bell jar and smells the scent in the bell jar they get a comprehensive um, a, a, you know, smell of the scent itself, rather than if you just sort of put, put it on your skin, you're often just getting the top note and it takes a while before the base notes and the, and the um, mid notes sort of come into form. But this way in the bell jar, you actually get to smell the base, the mid and the top notes all at once and a true you know, um, smelling of, uh, of the scent. And so people in, in voluntarily are reaching for the, the bell jar that contains the, the one that they need while they're talking to you and asking you for things. So, so for example, I had this wonderful lady come into the store the other day 
and she um, she has been dealing with a lot of anxiety, and, and she literally has had her hand you know on the bell jar uh, for Huath, a nice Irish word there H U A T H A U Prada H U H to be correct, um, but she had her hand you know on the bell jar while she's saying oh I'm not sure what I need and I just you know I like scent and, and you know I, I have lavender that I sleep with and blah 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 and I'm like look where your hand is like look what you're holding she's literally holding onto this thing. And she reads, you know, the little cards. So the cards have the symbol and the name, and then it explains what it's sort of related to. So Huath works really nicely with um, helping to uh, get to the causes of fear and anxiety. And so she reads through this, and she's like, this is exactly what I need. And I'm like, well, clearly you knew, because that's where your, your hand was. And this happens, you know, day in, day out. And it, it's just it's just a blast to see it. You know, I, I, I swear I can almost hear, you know, the, the guardians of the autumn symbols, you know, giggling, you know, day in and day out. It's just having such joy and such fun you know with people and um, being able to use these sense and I think why the sense were so important so so why was it important to work with Agam in a different way well scent is a wonderful way to bypass the conscious mind right so it instantly sort of drops you into this other this other state of mind it helps you to get in touch with your emotions so it sort of gets you, your head out of the way if you will and so each of these, you know, symbols has their own, their own magic, their own um, sort of revelations for you. And so you can wear them as a perfume oil, you can put them in a bath, you can put them in a diffuser. Um, I think you've uh, anointed uh, candles with them in the past, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, work with them in, in any which way that you choose. And, you know, they're all safe um, and friendly for the skin. They're all in carrier oils, organic carrier oils like almond oil or uh, coconut, uh, fractionated coconut oil, uh, one or two ring castor oil. Um, they were very specific about how much oil and then which essential oils to go in it and how many drops. So I kid you not when I'm making batches, like I'm counting out like one, two, three, four, five, six, in terms of drops, it has to be drop based, not ML, it's drop based, you know? So it's sort of a standing joke in the studio too, where it's like, she's counting, she's counting, don't interrupt her. You know, I get to 108 drops, you know, in a, in a small batch of, of oils. So, so each has their own magic and each batch, you know, as it's made has, has its own magic. And then I have these wonder, wonderful set that I got from a place called Zuggan in England where they actually take the time to source the plant matter for each agam plant and compound it and grind it into this fine powder. So every batch has a little sprinkling of the Zagan's uh, agam uh, oil plant matter in it too. So it's just, it, it just is all kinds of, you know, wonderful witchiness to, to craft these oils in the studio um, every couple of days. And I only make very small batches. I'm usually only doing six at a time for each one so that they're, you know, constantly fresh shelf lives about two years on each one, but they're, they're never sitting around for more than a couple of days. So, so that's great fun too. Wow. Gemini, your face always is so expressive. I am obsessed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I am obsessed. I think, I think it's funny that you brought up that like, you're kind of called to the oil because I remember being at Moon Serpent and Bone and you had had two like unique oils there and be, you were like, I can see that you're drawn to this one. Like, this is obviously the one you want. And I'm like, yeah, that actually, yes, that's the one that I want. Thank you for noticing. I don't know why. It just, I just knew we had a moment, me in the oil where I was like, <laughs> this is the one that I need. And then I think Scorpio, you went and got the other oil. Right. So it was like, which space had both of them? It was almost like they knew we have to have them, but we have to have them differently. 
that was that was so wonderful to see that and and it was such a a blast to get those wonderful uh, skull head black glass yeah. droppers. You know, it was like, wow, these things are fantastic. So I'm like, I know exactly what I'm going to do with them. We're going to, you know, pull two oils through to Moon Serpent and Bone and only Moon Serpent and Bone. We don't sell them in the shop, but they were just a, just a, a very a sort of special thing that we wanted to pull through for, for that particular um, festival. And, uh, and we will have them again uh, at the next Moon Serpent and Bone, um, which uh, hopefully will be in the fall. Um, uh, to be revealed soon, I guess, you know, what that tune is going to be, as we were discussing earlier. Uh, but uh, yeah, so DARE, um, D-A-I-R, is uh, really around strength and endurance. And, and what I really love about these symbols, I think that's the one that you, that you went for. Yeah, um, that's the one I needed. <laughs> and, then, and then Luce was the other one for uh, spiritual and emotional protection. Um, but, uh, but what I love about these, um, these symbols, right, I mentioned earlier, there's, you know, they're multivariate, right? There's just levels to them. And so this idea of sort of strength and endurance you know, it's not, it's not about sort of persevering through it and plowing through it, right? It's about how do you find, you know, the pieces of your own strength and where do you draw your strength from? And so when you work with these oils, you know, there's so much of this connection back to our, our ancestors, where we came from, just our own, you know, innate abilities, you know, sort of get pulled through when you start working with these oils to really um, you know, help you understand things about yourself in, in a very different way. Um, the, my favorite question is, is uh, when people um, you know, look at uh, Mwin, which is for uh, love, esteem, and trickery. And so they're going like, oh, love, esteem, and trickery? What the heck is that? Like, why, why, why would you put trickery in there? And I'm like, I put nothing in there. This is what it actually you know, means. And so what it corresponds to is really this idea of we deny ourselves self-love, right? We fool ourselves. We trick ourselves into thinking that we're not worthy of it. We go looking for it, you know, externally. And then we choose to see those that we love in any way that we fantasize, right? So we often put people on pedestals and then we get sort of disappointed and whatever else. So, so in every aspect of love, there is this element of trickery, right? And so I love that that Agam really, um, it, when you learn about these symbols and you, you know, if you're lucky enough to sort of, you know, take the time to journey to meet these guardians, you get to understand aspects in ways that you may not have thought about before on, on just basic everyday, you know, sort of things like love is supposed to be wonderful and exciting and, you know, all of these, you know, glamorous and romantic things. And yet when you start to sort of break it down, you really understand that if you do not see clearly and if you don't require that of yourself to see clearly, you're doing yourself an injustice about how you see yourself, but you're also doing loved one in injustice because you often then set them up in ways that don't even exist, you know? So, so this is, you know, why I think I was so compelled to, you know, go so far as to let's build a store and make a space, you know, for these, for these oils and put them on this huge oil bar uh, because um, I just feel they're so powerful and, and, you know, folks that buy them come back to the store to tell me about their experiences and how they've worked with them and things that they saw in meditation and, um, and vision and dreaming. A dad is a wonderful one to just sort of put on a little bit of cotton and pop it in your pillowcase and then dream about it. And so there's lots of sharing of, you know, trippy dreams and fantastic places, you know, that people have gone and uh, that, that just, you know, makes it, makes it all so very, very, very worthwhile you know, to do. So as you're talking, I, can't, I, I thought of two different things. And I'm going to see if I can ask this correctly, like that comes out right. Um, you're from Dublin, but you're working here, but a lot of it is going back to Ireland. How does being in America, does it influence your magic? Do you ever feel that there's stuff that you're taking from here that you're combining? Or do you feel like, no, 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 it's strictly from Ireland and my surroundings here don't really affect? 
That's that is such a wonderful question, and a lot of gratitude for asking that actually, because it, it allows me to to really think about that. I, you know, I think what was so compelling for me to come to New York in the first place is just this idea of freedom. You know, there, there's a lot, well, particularly back in my day, 30 years ago, you know, there, there's only so far that you could sort of go with things. Um, being a woman, number one, you know, and just what were the opportunities, you know, in our very small country, there's about 3 million people there at the time, much larger now, uh, and we've got much better infrastructure over there now. Um, but, uh, you know, but back in the early 90s, you know, really, um, there wasn't a lot of opportunity and there was definitely a glass ceiling that you were going to hit no matter what you did, you know? So this idea of, you know, New York where you could live your dream, you can do whatever you want to do, um, really, really appealed to me and to my own um, sort of, uh, I'll call it personal magic at that time, <clears throat> which was, you know, what do I want to bring into form? How do I want to be? How do I want to express myself? As a, as a young person, I was 21 when I came here. Um, and so it was this idea of, um, you know, how do you marry what you come from with where it is that you're going to and do you want to leave it all behind or do you want to pull pieces of your of your ancestry you know in with you and so i i really felt very strongly about sort of keeping my irish connections I lived in woodlawn which we call county ireland because there's so many irish people there so it's like you come to new york and then you live with all these irish people uh, so we started in woodlawn and then moved up to yonkers and then subsequently um you know up here to rockland county and um it, and it just it felt to me like the energy here in new york was was the energy that you feel in the wind that, you know, comes blowing across the west of Ireland, right? It's, it, to me, standing in New York City, in the canyons of New York City, with all of that energy and cars and working people, millions of people, really felt like standing on, you know, the shores on a crazy windy stormy day, you know, in, in Ireland, right? And, and that to me is some of the most magical um, aspects and elements of Ireland is really being in the elements, right? You can't get away from it. There's wind and rain all the time. Any given day is sunshine, rain, wind, sunshine, rain, wind, you know, and not in that order, right? And all at once. Um, so, so it's really very uh, elemental there, right? And so you, you feel so close to all of that energy. And I, I remember coming here and thought, like, wow, like New York is really that, but in sort of human form. It's the humans that are creating all this, you know, crazy wild, you know, energy, you know, in this massive city. And so, um, so I really sort of felt like they were both perfectly aligned you know, from the get-go, right? There's this beautiful alignment of the human and, and the natural, you know, intertwined by just being that sort of elemental human standing in the humanness of New York City. And so, you know, in, in terms of sort of doing my own work, I mean, my, my background is actually in business. I have a degree in um, business and economics and MBA, uh, et cetera, and, uh, and still work a day job as a, as a healthcare consultant and uh, run a couple of other businesses on the side. Um, and so, you know, this idea of you know, business and also being spiritual, I've always walked the two paths, you know, at the same time. Um, and so that sort of, you know, intermingling and marrying of, um, of that magic, I think really is coming to bear in terms of always keeping with that intuition. And to me that, that intuition stems from my Celtic roots and understanding things like Agam and really, you know, um, uh, using your senses to feel your way through and making good decisions and uh, fostering integrity and spirituality based on what you've come from before and pulling that through to something like business and pulling that through to something like the modern world. And that was really why when I created the store and created the brand, it had to be modern Druid because there's nothing not modern about where I stand, you know, today. I mean, I, I like to laugh that I'm part cyborg, right? And it's sort of like, how can you be a Druid and be part cyborg? And I'm like, cause I run my companies on, on apps and, you know, I'm never without my, my phone. And, you know, it's like, if I didn't have my laptop with me at all times, you know, it would be a significant problem. Right. So, 
so really, I, I've, I've sort of seen this as a melding of the of this, the, the natural and the human. And, and that is not to say, obviously, that a human is not natural, but it is to say that in our human form, there are components of us that, that take us away, shift us away from all that is spiritual and natural and elemental, right? And it's, so it's often about finding our way back to that. And that leads me sort of full circle back to the studio where it's like, come in and pause. Because if you don't pause, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? Like, what, what are you trying to create in your own day? So just to give you that breathing out space, to just sit pull a card, pull a little angel card when you're checking out. We literally you know, have a little uh, thing of cards, you know, check out to say, pull a card, see what, what message is there for you today. And invariably, you know, people sort of pull a card and it's like a eureka moment. You know, it's like, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. Well, if you pause, if you stop, you know, if you, if you actually uh, drop into your own personal space, your own personal magic for a moment, you'll find it's right there, just below the surface. You don't need to do a half hour meditation. You don't need to go walking in nature. So that's very helpful. <laughs> I know it's a wonderful thing to do. And you see wonderful things out in the, out in the forest or at the water. Um, but, um, but even just in that moment, we can you know, drop into our own, our own magic. And so I see magic as being entirely universal. It's spiritual. And it, uh, it doesn't sit with one, you know, just with one tradition or another. And then, of course, there's so much of the um, indigenous, indigenous American um, that is here too around Nyack and, uh, and, you know, the banks of the Hudson and whatever it's, I, I often feel like, you know, when I'm sort of walking down to the river and I'm walking on sacred ground, you know, really, uh, truly there's just so much um, history. And so I also feel those ancestors around and, you know, th th there is, there's no, um, there's no spaces in the world and spirituality. All of these ancestors reside together you know that's they're all they're all one big party as as are we right we're all part of the of the common collective and so um so while we have our traditions if we look at any of the world's spiritual traditions they're all the same they're all saying the same thing it's all about the same magic right just in just in beautiful different iterations that are often shaped by the land and shaped by the elements and shaped by the wind that creates their unique blend of things i love it okay i have another question before we get to our main topic. And I'm looking at Gemini as I say this. Um, and this could go for any body. It doesn't have to be one particular tradition, but I'm thinking about this because we're gonna stick with your tradition, your background, your ancestors. What would you say to a witch who is, feels so disconnected from Ireland? See, she's laughing already. What would you say to a witch who feels so disconnected and wants to connect, but almost feels, it's like imposter syndrome, like, okay, I'm not really Irish because I've been here, my family's been here, but it's like, yeah, but you are. And, you know, and I say that to anybody, no matter where their family comes from, like, yeah, you are of those people. Like, I, you can't, uh, and maybe it's because- personally attacked right now. No, it's not attack. <laughs> I'm trying to help you, you brat. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I'm a little bit closer, right? My family came from somewhere where I'm not like so removed, generations and generations removed. But we've had that conversation, right? Like, and you're not the only person that I've had that conversation with yeah. about different, different paths, you know? So what would you say to somebody who's like, oh my God, I feel disconnected, but I don't want to feel disconnected. What would you say to them? I, I would say, number one, I can identify. And the reason why I can identify is I have an Irish mother and a Canadian father. So I was born in Canada. And when I was six weeks old, 
um, moved to Ireland. But then we sort of went back and forth to Canada for a little while before permanently settling back in in Ireland when I was seven. So so I've sort of, um, I mean, personally had that sort of thrown on my face, like, well, you weren't even born here. Like, you know, you're not even really Irish because you were, you know, born in another country. It's like, oh, for the love of God, you know, more I'm more Irish than you are. You know, and the person like telling me this as I'm looking at their Viking genes, you know, and, you, know you know, you can see clearly where, you know, their, their uh, lineage comes from, you know. Um, it, it, just as a quick sidebar, I was never more pleasurable to do 23 and me and get the results back. And it's like 97%, you know, British Isles. It's just like in your face. Um, <laughs> so, however, you don't need the gene code necessarily to, to identify with a, with a spirituality. Um, and so, you, you know, so this idea of sort of imposter syndrome it is really uh, just asking yourself, what do you choose to identify with? Right, you get to pick. You know, I think I mentioned earlier there there are no rules. You know, this is what we we say at Modern Jude all the time. You know, somebody will come in, an artist will wander in off the street and say, "Hey, you know, would you be interested in seeing my art?" Of course we would. Why not? There aren't any rules. You know, they're like, "Oh well, I didn't know if like you need lead time or there's a process or you know whatever." It's like, how would we do that? You know, there's no rules. So so number one, I would say, you know, listen to yourself. What is it that you that you want to identify with? Um, and because you may not want to identify with a Celtic spirituality, even if you have Irish roots. I mean, I have plenty of Irish friends that frankly, you know, don't really give a damn about that, right? I mean, I have one that's, a, you know, a Buddhist and another that absolutely is uh, entirely enchanted with Native American um, uh, lore and mythology and mysticism and spirituality. And so, so you can decide and it really is about that decision. It's intention, right? Everything comes back to intention. Our magic comes back to intention. Our magic making comes back to intention. So what is it that you want to, that you intend? So if your intention is, I would like to learn more about my roots or where my ancestors way back when came from and see how that feels, try it on for size, right? You might sort of dig into it and say, yeah, this is nonsense. I, you know, I, I don't relate to that at all. And that's perfectly fine too, right? We, we get to choose. So, so get the imposter syndrome out of the way and first explore. You know, do, do some, do some um, fact-finding, right? What is it actually about? And then where are the places where you connect? I mean, for me personally, um, training up in Druidry, you know, the first level at, at uh, the Order of uh, Bards, Ovates, and Druids is, is to become a bard. And that's all about the art of story. And the art of story is really how, to, what's the story we tell ourselves? Is it a true story? Number one, you know, and then it, what is truth, right? So you sort of go down this, this rabbit hole. And, and where you sort of come out on the other side is, you can tell yourself any story you like and make it your own story. It's your story. You're writing the story every day. Every day when you open your eyes and you, 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 know, you get another day on this earth, you're writing that story, you're crafting that story. So where do you wanna put your intention? What is it that you actually want to manifest? And that can be a cultivating a fondness or a love you know, of Celtic um, uh, mythology or Celtic spirituality. And there's all kinds of you know, facets and directions you go in. I mean, some, some of my Irish friends are just like sick to death of Celtic mythology. They're just like, love of God, if I hear Cúpulín one more time, you know, it's just, it's everywhere. Like, you know, just this one guy, like there were many, there were many warriors. Why are we stuck with Cúpulín? You know, so it, it can become, you know, tedious. But then you explore, you know, these other, these other aspects. I mean, for me as a Druid, it really comes down to the elements, right? So there is that story that's layered over it. Um, but at all times, I just sort of, you know, drop into how does it feel to, to just um, explore the energy of the place. And so if you've been to Ireland, you'll know the energy of the place really, it, it just feels like a really magical 
place. The air itself, you know, feels that way, but that's because there's lots of mist and there's rain and there's wind and there's, you know, then the, the sky is constantly shifting, right? It's this, it shapeshifts and morphs in front of your eyes, you know, literally clouds will, you know, you'll look up, it's a cloudy sky. You go back and read a chapter, you look up, the sun is shining. There's no clouds in the sky. Like it moves that fast. So very energetic. But that has also helped to create the stories and shape the culture, you know, of the of the island and, and all that comes from it. So, so just get to know it and, and try on that energy and learn about these components and see where you land. And if it feels like it's a tight connection, then you're there. You've already, then you've done it, right? You've, you've forged that connection without even trying, without even sort of worrying about, am I, am I worthy to study this, you know, other culture? They're all the same. Spirituality is all the same, just told in different stories. Right. And so I, I just like I keep coming back to that. And particularly in my training as a bard is write your own story, write whatever story you want. And you can change that story anytime you like too. just keep writing it. Right. It's they're all chapters in the storybook of your life. And so you can go in any direction you like. Um, and, and nothing brought that home to me more so than reading J.R.R. Martin's series Fire and Ice that they turned into Game of Thrones. Yes. <laughs> this guy is a serial killer. He's killing off all his characters. How can he do this? You know, and I'm like, he's just keeps rewriting the story. It's because he didn't have a fully formed story in his head. He would get to a certain point and he'd be like, yeah, we'll kill this guy. And then that becomes an entirely different story. And I just love that. But you just, you never knew what you were going to get and what, how the story was going to go on because he was continuously just choosing at any given moment to go in a different direction with his story. And it, it I just was so struck by the parallels that that has for each of us in our own in our own lifetimes. You know that you think it's trucking along this way, and then boom, something happens, and you're in an entirely different story. So, so you have to write it, you have to own it, and you have to decide what you want to put into that story, um, because otherwise you're you're just at the mercy of you know of blossom and jetsam, just anything coming at you anytime, uh, and you're not the guiding hand for your own for your own life. So. To be your own guiding hand. Intention will definitely get you there. Try on intention and what, what it is that you intend to learn, to do with, and to experience um, while exploring your, your own heritage. And, uh, and you'll, you'll find yourself there and get that imposter out of the way. I feel like we had this game plan. We were going to do these interviews. They're going to be so fun. It was going to be like a nice summer thing to instead of summer reading. And now I'm just like, actually, I think these were all for me. I think that I was supposed to learn some things and that every interview we've done in the last like three months has just been like cute little messages for Gemini so that she can get her <laughs> shit together. I'm a fellow Gemini too, Gemini. So that's, uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. It's June, June 7th Gemini. So, uh, so I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like I'm just downloading a lot of things right now. This is your summer. It's the summer of downloads. That's apparently that's it. Well, and you know, it's, but it's so important what you guys are doing, just having these conversations, right. And just opening, opening up topics that, you know, can go in, in any different direction, because if we don't take the time to have these conversations, what have we learned from COVID, right? Do we all just go back to being sort of, you know, super busy all the time and just, you know, catching things on the fly and, uh, you know, and really disengaging from our own spirituality or are we going to stay grounded? You know, and it's and, and this is how we stay grounded. We stay grounded by listening. We stay grounded by asking questions. We stay grounded by contemplating the messages that we're getting, and 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 sharing that. It's really about the sharing too, isn't it? And that's why you know when you guys mentioned you had a podcast, and I was like, yes, that's so just be a wonderful opportunity, you know, to just sit and chat with you guys, because I just love what you're doing, and I love that um, that you just opened this up for sharing in, in this wonderful form. You know, people can just pop in there 
their earbuds and, uh, you know, while they're working out or going for a walk or sitting in the car, you know, in traffic to just be able to have um, some, some great conversation like this to, to listen to that helps their own spiritual practices. Well, thank you. I know Gemini's now, she's like, what's wrong? I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm just not okay. Um, but yeah, I think that COVID, if we, if we take the positive from it, is it's allowing us to form a community where a lot of people felt alone. And it's allowing us to reach out and, and to be able to, like you said, listen to different podcasts or learn about new places and go online and find that community that so many of us really need. And especially during COVID when you felt so alone anyway, to know that, hey, I'm not alone at all. You know, there's so many people thinking the same way I do. And now I have my tribe. I found my people. And even if I'm still working solitary, I know there's a bunch of people out there that I can reach out to check out online, go to their shops, you know, take classes and they're not alone. So I think that this is the positive. I don't think that's going to go anywhere. I think that we've, we've gotten to a point where we really want community. I think that a lot of, we always call them the old guard. They've kind of like stepped down and allowed people to, to mix, to mingle, to not be looking down at everybody's traditions and going, well, you didn't do X, you know, so you can't be whatever. You can't be part of the party, you know, and I think that's really gone away and it's so nice because I think that we're learning from each other now because everybody's allowed, quote unquote, allowed to share. So we can all learn and kind of incorporate different things and grow. You know, those connections have been made. I, I love what you said there because, you know, when you sort of see it, 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 people were so alone prior to COVID because of, you know, many things obviously, but but because of the busyness and the demands, right, of, of the modern world on us. And so, you know, you had limited opportunity to sort of get together or take a class or, you know, be part of a coven or do whatever it is that, that you wanted to do. With, with COVID coming along, I, and I had this wonderful vision one night, just, um, just sort of tapping into, you know, what is COVID? What are, what are the lessons learned, et cetera? And it was this magnificent grid. It was like seeing the world as a, as a grid. And, and each sort of person in their own little tube, right, like isolated and just, everybody's sort of isolated and then all of a sudden starting to light up as these connections were made and it was like this whole grid just lit up that we really had we have isolated ourselves so much I mean if we think about community even just families here you know in America particularly you know people move around a lot they go different places they work 60 hours a week and you know and so you get disenfranchised from your family you don't have you know, extended family helping to bring up and raise your kids the way you do in, in Europe where, you know, families tend to stay together and elderly parents, you know, live with their, with their children. And, you know, you might have three generations in a house, you know, and things like that. And that, that really isn't the American way. And so I think our spirits were just so lonely and desperate for connection and COVID gave it to us. It was like, okay, we're just gonna, you know, walk everything down here so that you can't run around like busy ants and you, you know, you just have to sort of stay in place for a little bit. And it gave people the time and to, to really connect through technology, right? Because that was the only place you could go was out there into the, you know, into the internet, the interwebs, as a friend of mine says, out in the webs. Um, and, and then there was so much to find, not just other people to find, but so much information to find too, right? And then time for people to actually write and to do podcasts and to talk and to really share all this. So, so I would, you know, it would just be spectacular if any of us could get that 30,000 foot view to see how much more knowledge, spiritual knowledge, was actually brought into the world in, in the year of COVID? It would be magnificent to view that. Okay, I also now know what I'm doing with my next vision quest. <laughs> I must have the answer to that. Um, but it just seemed to me like this: it was, it was this, this huge portal, this massive funnel that allowed whoosh, 
all this stuff to come in because now all of a sudden we were like this super grid, you know, connected and people were actually reaching out and pulling that stuff back in for themselves, right? Being able to, to feed and nourish themselves with what it was that they were finding out there. So, so I think you're right. I think we're, you know, we, we're not going to go back, you know, to just the way that we were. Um, but I already feel my own life just getting sort of busier and busier and busier and busier. Right. And so it's like, you know, what used to be a nice start, you know, in the, in the studio to just sort of how, how do we want to start our day? What's our intention for today? Sometimes is you know, drop the bag. It's already 11. We're doing the thing, you know, and, and you're open and you're in your day before you've even set intention for what you want to get out of that day. And then we're sort of like at the end of the day going, okay, how did today go? What was the energy? It felt a little weird. Yeah. Well, it's cause we didn't even, we didn't even start. We didn't even start our day, you know, in, with intention. So how do we expect that we're going to conclude our day, you know, closing out that, that circle, that sacred sort of space for ourselves. So, um, so I think, you know, there's one thing I can say about COVID is it was a you know, phenomenal teacher for us and an allower, not even a teacher, but an allower facilitator to allow us to really uh, get clear on how we choose to spend our days each day. And that I think is something that we just need to be mindful to not speed up again to the point where we start to get disconnected from that again. Um, so, uh, so yes, gratitude to, to COVID for that, unfortunately, obviously resulted in a, in a lot of uh, people exiting the planet um, during that time. But, um, but that also is, you know, is, is destiny too. That's, that's the way of the world, the way of things. And, um, you know, in various ways we make our peace with that. I want to get to the topic. Oh yeah. I haven't gotten to, this has been so oh, yeah. good. So usually when I approach people about, Hey, you know, do you want to come on the podcast? And I say, you know, if there's anything you want to talk about specifically, like, let me know and we'll talk about it. And usually people go, eh, I don't know. Nope. Morgana was right away. Poison plant medicine. Like in two <laughs> seconds, she said it and I went, okay, poison plant medicine. Um, so let's jump into this. I want to know how you got into poison plant medicine. And also I, I love poison and medicine being in the same phrase. Right. Um, right. Um, yes. So, I mean, do you have a poison garden? Do you grow any of not me everything? Yet. The not, yet. not yet. I'm not, not okay. growing um, for myself uh, just yet, but, um, but here's really how it came about. So, you know, so coming from Ireland, you know, you you really are very familiar with a lot of the, you know, the plants um, that, that grow natively and, um, you is a, is a phenomenal wood. My, my wand is actually made of you and you is a poisonous, poisonous plant. It is. You don't want to, um, you, you don't want you sawdust anywhere around you. You don't want to burn you, uh, you know, around you that really it, you won't fare well with that. So, so you handle with care, but it's an extraordinary wood and it, and it really comes with its own, its own magic. Um, so, uh, so wood like that. And then I, I mean, I could, spend a whole podcast on um, uh, hawthorn and blackthorn trees. Uh, it's an entirely different thing, but that's more about sort of thorns than, than poison. Um, but, um, but I also fell in love, was completely enchanted with a plant called foxglove when I was a teenager. It, there, it's a very, very pretty plant. But what I had learned about it when I was quite young was that um, in the Victorian era, they would uh, actually um, take some extractions from foxglove and use it as poison. It was a great way to poison a person without a trace, right? Just sort of, you know, brings on what looks like a heart attack and uh, not a very messy death. I suppose dosage though would, would drive how messy that's going to be or not. Um, but often a person could just sort of, you know, pass in their sleep after ingesting um, some, some foxglove. Um, and so of course, I mean, I love, I love rings like you, you know, wear these, you know, big rings found a fantastic poison um, uh, carrying ring in New Orleans. So it has, it's a, has a little compartment in it, so you can stash a little bit of poison in there. I, I know nobody's going to have dinner with me after this, right? After this podcast, so like, <laughs> they're, not, 
ever having dinner with Morgana. Um, she made poison. <laughs> um, but um, but but yes. Anyway, so it was also it came down to you know what are these what are these plants? Why are some plants poisonous or not? How are these poisons used, um, and how are people, you know, sort of um, affiliating and associating with them? So that was sort of the, you know, the early days. As I, um, uh, you know, explored my own druid journey and um, moved into the Ovate grade and was really studying herbology and uh, and plant uh, medicine and magic, um, I kept getting drawn, you know, back to foxglove, to henbane, to datura, um, and and my fascination with them, I think, is really because it so closely. Um, mirrors who we are as human beings, a human condition, right? It's light and shadow. We have to deal with our shadow sides. And I do a lot of shadow work. And many of these plants, right, in very small doses have high medicinal value. In any larger dose will kill you, right? And so it's so it's exploring this idea of, um, uh, you know, why, why is the plant constructed the way that it is? Why is sort of um, too much, you know, overdosing too much, right? And it will be fatal. Um, and how do you how do you know how do you know what's too much? How do you know where to set your own boundaries, right? So I see them as as sort of you know um, boundary aspects, really helping to to show us that in a physical and tangible way. Uh, and and so I started working with the spirits of these plants, right, to say you know please tell me about your magic. You know, it really would be a blessing to understand more about where where this comes from. And uh, and so you know you end up having the most trippy conversations when you're looking at a plant and, and trying to sort of experience, you know, what it may be like to be the plant. I, 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 you know, again, as a druid, I like to shape shift a lot and that shape shifting is often around meditating on, on an animal and really sort of feeling your way into their skin and what does it feel like to be that way. So I started doing that with plants and with the, with the poisonous plants. And what struck me with foxglove is foxglove does not view itself as poisonous in any way. That was just a revelation to me, right? It's like we're viewing it as this thing. It's a healer to 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 itself. It, it's a healer. That's its its job. I mean, uh, extracts of foxglove are used um, um, uh, in heart medications, which is wonderful. Right? So it's it's a so it's a it's a plant that really expresses itself in a very heart centered way for benefit, and it does not view itself as poisonous. And so that really um, had me tripping out on this whole idea of you know what is poison anyway? What does that actually mean? And so I sort of, again, keep calling it back to the shadow side. What's the shadow work that we need to do? So it sits very squarely with benefit, boundary, and, uh, and, and cost effect, right? So too much. And, and I think that just, it speaks so eloquently to how we can work with intention to set our own boundaries, how we can decide at any given time if we've done too much or we're, we're, we're overgiving or we're being too controlling or we're, you know, that poison, right, is coming, is coming forward. And then how do we work with plants themselves to be able to enable us to have that, that sort of presence of mind and that awareness. Um, we all know you drink too much alcohol, you get a you know, pretty bad hangover the next day, right? With, um, you know, with poisonous plants, there is no next day if you overdo it. So most people say don't ingest them, but yet I found this incredible, um, uh, uh, I, I don't even want to call it a, you know, a, a store, this incredible maker, um, I think his name is Sean Black, and he runs um, Emporium, Emporium Black, I think it's called, out of New Orleans, and he makes poisonous plant truffles. So he takes chocolate and he uses microdosing of detura, henbane, various um, uh, of these um, poisonous uh, plants and makes these truffles that will allow you through ingesting those truffles to then, you know, if, if you can or if you choose to or whatever, converse with the spirits of these plants. So I've been working with his truffles the last several months to just really engage with, you know, how do I speak to these spirits, right? Sometimes it's just meditating on the plant itself. Most often, it's um, it's through these um, fantastic and black 
truffles from New Orleans, and um, and and just the um, the calling again, just like the the guardians of the autumn symbols, the calling to say bring us into form, make it more tangible. People really need to understand more about um, the benefits and also the working with the shadow side of these plants. So if you are able to see yourself the way Foxglove sees yourself as a beautiful heart-centered healer, it doesn't matter that you also have the shadow and you have poison and you, you know, can bring that forth too. It's about choosing what aspects of that do I wanna bring forth into, into this, this physical, tangible world. And so that's what really has me so engaged you know, with, with these poisonous plants and their medicine. They have spiritual medicine for us, but they also you know, are medicinal. They have medicinal value and are used extensively in, in pharmaceuticals. Um, but where we wanna go next with that is, is teaching about those plants. So we've already set up a, um, a plant medicine workshop that's, uh, that's coming um, next month. Uh, this wonderful guy, um, Dave Lundgren, who has an apothecary, a White Cliffs Apothecary out of New Paltz. Uh, he is a Chinese herbal uh, medicine and acupuncturist and martial arts guy. He's also going to be heading up the men's series. So he's going to do this fantastic um, plant medicine workshop for us using Chinese herbs uh, to talk about, you know, how do you make a blend? He's going to make a common blend like a tea, right? So he'll explain each of the plants and what, what each of the plants has to bring to bear. And, uh, and much like poisonous plants, you know, there are some in there that if you, you know, not in this common blend, but, but with Chinese herbs in general, you know, if you use too much of it, it's going to produce a negative result, right? And some of these things don't work well together. So talking through those plants, what is their medicine? Being able to put them together in a, you know, in a complex sort of compound, grind them up and make a tea from them so people can take this wonderful calming tea home with them is going to be our precursor to then studying different types of plants. So I can't wait until the fall, probably be October, maybe November, um, where we do a poisonous plant medicine workshop where we're actually able to, to work with six of these plants and really discuss, you know, what are their what are their superpowers? As I like to see them, I no longer see them as you know poison. Um, it's uh, what are their superpowers, and what does they want to teach us, and how do we actually work with these plants, and why? And even just the beauty of the plants themselves, all of them flower, and they uh, they just have these beautiful, you know, bell-shaped flowers. In some cases, the henbane is sort of bell-shaped with these little spiky, you know, bits on their petals. Foxglove again, that sort of you know bell shape. Um, so even just looking at the shapes, what is the actual um, uh, you know, geometry and symmetry of these plants as well. So there's just, there's so many facets when we, you know, look at a stalk and how these plants go and the shape of the flowers and what it is that they're actually bestowing on the world um, that we're going to be digging in really deep to, to all of these aspects and elements. So expect some sacred geometry as well as some, you know, deep spirituality as well as some spiritual work. Uh, and of course, you know, always the goal being healing. Uh, at the at the end of it with uh, with working with these plants and then where they want to go from there we'll find out in 2022 because i've told them i'm not bringing anything else into form other than workshops until you know next year um but i you know would not be surprised if we end up with um you know poisonous plant oils or perfumes or something like who knows who knows i don't even know where that's going to go uh, but uh, but it will be quite fascinating to um to see what results you know with uh, with working with these magnificent plants do they listen when you say things like, I'm not bringing anything into the world because I feel like the vibe that I get from poisonous plants, they're like, sure, sh what, sure. You know, it, it's kind of like, okay, you go be the boss of you, but I'm the boss of me, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, that's what they say to me while I'm trying to say, I'm not, I'm not doing the thing. It was sort of like the Agamals. It's like, sure, you're doing the thing. It's like, but I don't know anything much about aromatherapy. Go learn, go find that. And mm -hmm. so I sort of feel like, okay, been here, done that. Here's, you know, this is, phase two of what happened last time, you know, which is actually 
you know, doing, communicating, you know, with the spirits and actually um, listening, you know, listening to what they have to say. So I'm hoping they'll give me a little bit of, um, of grace, uh, you know, in terms of timing uh, through the end of the year, just because we have so many miraculous things, you know, going on at the, at the Modern Druid studio. We, we did sort of landed at studio because that can be all encompassing, all yeah. encompassing for, for the things that, that, that it is and the things that it can be. And that's the other delicious thing is what else can it be? So, so we are, we are going to be doing, um, um, some really interesting events there too. One being an, an infused dinner and, um, uh, and sort of, uh, maybe cabaret. We're not quite sure where we're landing on this yet, but, um, yeah, we've got some some interesting stuff coming. So it is this space where all kinds of magic things can can and will happen. Some days is a little carnival, you know. Other days is you know deep in the shadow work. I mean, you know, sometimes the the wonderful goddesses that work with me, um, Emery, who's our store manager, Amanda, who's our associate, Sienna, who's our um, sales associate as well, Melissa, who's our, our artist in residence and curator, and then of course Laura in New Orleans who makes these pieces, but, um, but in any given time, you know, you walk into the studio and we're reading maybe Pixie Lighthorse's, you know, book, um, you know, uh, 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 on boundaries or in shadow work and we're in it and we're just in it and we're sharing, you know, it's as much about healing each other as it is about people coming into the store and, um, and the messages and the flow that comes in and out on any given day is just really quite extraordinary. So, so I'm open to it all. I just ask that the poisonous plants grant me some time to be able to layer these things in, in a reasonable way, uh, because there is only so much time in the day. And, um, while I have learned to, to not have too much sleep, um, we all need to look after ourselves as well, right? The intention has to be, you know, self-care and how do we look after ourselves? Otherwise there's no more magic to bring. If you deplete, there's no more magic to bring, right? So, um, so it is definitely about uh, our own self-care and self-healing as well. So the only thing that I feel bad about when it comes to the podcasting, people can't see our faces. I know. But, I know. right, because I think, were you looking at me at the same time I was looking at you? Because you can't really tell what the box is. Yeah, I think totally. so. So Gemini, Gemini and I can be very different. But when it comes to when we want to go spend our time somewhere, we kind of like, we like the exact same things. Yes. So I noticed like, you know, oh, workshops on poison plants. And Gemini and I both went like, we kind of like perked up a little bit. And then you <laughs> mentioned the cabaret and like, we started to like, we can't really make eye contact on this. We're kind of like looking at each other like, oh my God, oh my God, yes. So I think everybody needs to be a part of this. And you can also come see us because apparently we're going to be living in my <laughs> ruin starting <laughs> We should have you guys do a podcast from the studio one one morning or, or evening when it's when it's closed and just um, yeah the other thing we we uh, we just decided last night after having this you know wonderful reception for Brynja Magnuson um, who will be doing a human design workshop uh, on August fifth cannot wait human design was not even on my radar now we've you know fallen down that rabbit hole and boy there are many levels that you can go in that. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but we decided after last night's wonderful reception where there was all this free flow conversation that maybe we'll hold some salons, you know, from time to time where, you know, just inviting different people in to, um, just have these wonderful, uh, conversations. I mean, that's how Socrates did it, right? Please hope, do that. Right. <laughs> Please, Please do that. Do that. <laughs> Excellent. So, I need you to understand. I have spent this entire time listening to you, first of all, being obsessed, right? But second of all, being like, wow, you know, I just want to hang out there and like, yeah, I was literally thinking like Plato, like I just want to listen to people talk and like, yeah, like an Athenium, like that would be dope. So please do that. Cause I will just live there. I'll just move in. I'll yeah. just be like your little store goblin. <laughs> I mean, <when> you, <laughs> no. 
you have to understand Gemini just wants to be a goblin period. So, you know, any opportunity she gets to be a goblin, she's always throwing that out there. Like, I'm just going to be the goblin. It's like, okay. Um, I just think it's interesting when you think about, you know, um, I'm thinking of people in school, like in grad school or college, and you have different groups where they just get together and you discuss, right? Right. And we don't have that in our community when you think about it. We don't have any salons where people can just come in and hear different people's thoughts and, you know, be serious about it, but at the same time, be open. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah, apparently we do now. So yeah, (laughs) it's just a matter of what, you know, what dates we'll put on the calendar. Um, and I just, you know, and to me, it's so important to just to have like events that are open and free, you know, so that mm-hmm. it's not a, you know, an obstacle um, for, for people trying to come up with cash or whatever else, you know, to just have an opportunity to come in and learn, you know, without it being a defined course. I mean, of course, for our defined courses and events and classes, you know, we, this is what uh, our, our teachers do, you know, this is what they they do for a living. So of course we want the, the exchange on that. Um, but wherever we can just sort of freely share information and freely, you know, come together for conversation, you know, let's be that, let's do that, you know, so, so we have some, um, some open days uh, on the, on the schedule, some open evenings, usually evenings, because, you know, people work during the day and, and all the rest of it. Um, but, uh, but that's exactly what we will do. So, um, so let's do that. It's, it's done. You waved your magic wand and it's done. That's, that's what's that's happening. It. So we'll be, we'll be landing uh, that one uh, squarely home. So I can't wait to go into the store this afternoon and uh, tell tell Emery that this is what we're we're doing next. Um, she usually looks at me, nods her head, and then sort of shakes it like, "Okay, but how? We're not sure, but we'll just set the intention and see what comes." So that that truly is the magic of the place is that we just layer in whatever we can, and it seems to just come together. I love it. So everybody, you know, if you're in the area, if you can get down to Nyack, you have to go to the shop. You have to go to the, sorry, the studio. To. You have to go to the studio, but if you can't, and you know, we have people listen to us from everywhere, check out Modern Druid online and you can always email Morgana, ask them questions. You know, um, you can be part of this if you cannot physically come down, but it's definitely worth the trip. If you're thinking about coming to New York on vacation, you've got to come to Nyack. You've got to go to Modern Druid. You'd be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't. And here's something that I never ask on the podcast, and I'm going to ask it, because you mentioned that you like to read. I say next year you come back and you sit with us on a new book, New Moon, and we, you choose the book, and we will read it, and we will discuss that book. What do you think? Oh, fantastic. Okay. I love it. I Thank you. That would be magnificent. I would love that. I would love that. Gemini, you've got the spreadsheet. I don't deal with oh, it. I got it. It's in the spreadsheet. I, just psychically, I just put it there. She gets so mad at me because I constantly go, so what are we doing next? She goes, I need a spreadsheet. spreadsheet. I don't look at it. Why don't we just accept the fact that I'm not going to look at the spreadsheet? Like you organize it and then I, I, I just do it. I, I color-coded the spreadsheet. What does that do? I don't want to look at it. I, I'm sure you are both so aware that, you know, of all the star signs, Gemini and Scorpio are the most difficult, you know, to put together in, in any way, shape, or form. Try a romantic relationship. Good God. Um, but, um, you know, even a friendship, because they're just really polar opposites in terms of how we think. I mean, you know, chatty Gemini and, you know, sort of deep, deep, uh, you know, immersive Scorpio, it, it just couldn't be sort of more, more polar. So I love that. Uh, that I, I totally get it. And I see what you're saying. And I just, I, I love that you guys are both so joyful and, you know, just loving in your back and forth on this as opposed to, you know, what otherwise could sort of be, um, you know, grumpiness about, well, I don't like you to not look at the spreadsheet. You need to do that thing versus I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> Let's have fun. So 
thank you for your joy and uh, and thank you so much obviously for having me on the podcast today really oh. really had an absolutely wonderful time talking about these amazing topics thank you this yeah, has been <laughs> fantastic yeah. thank you so much i really loved getting to talk to morgana i feel like i mean i do feel like i was personally attacked as a trying to learn about uh celtic oh, and irish practices person but she just brought such an interesting perspective and I'm really excited to like learn more from her, um, especially about like the oils and the poison plants. That sounds super exciting. Yes. And I hope people will go online, see, especially if you're near the area, find out when she's going to have these open salons. I think those sound fantastic. Just being able to sit around and talk kind of like what we do right now. Just yeah. with you. And we also can't wait to see what we do because we have been invited to do something live there. And I think we have to, we just have to figure out when and how, but it's all good stuff. Thank you so much to you guys for listening. We have the best audience ever. Um, keep reaching out to us via email and through the DMs. We really love hearing from you and it gives us a lot of great ideas for who to reach out to, topics that you want us to cover. Thank you to Sean McShane for our intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. <laughs> <laughs>